Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Mike Gibney is a professor emeritus of food and health at UCD, and he's written a book called Food Through the Ages. Professor Gibney, is that true? Good morning. The chocolate made you horny, and, and they thought they might have to ban it. Well, I, I doubt there's much truth in the, uh, in, in the idea, but certainly the Catholic Church, when they are the missionaries of both the Dominicans in particular, when they arrived in Central uh, America and they encountered uh, the the chocolate drinking uh, habits of the Aztecs when th- when those were taken on by the Spanish women or the women who married the Spanish soldiers, there was uh, great commotions about whether or not it made them libidinous. And indeed, um, uh, uh, the, the, that notion has always stayed with chocolate. I mean, if you if you look at the ads for the Lady Loves Milk Tray yes. or seductive chocolate ads, yes, it's always been there. And uh, chocolate was, I mean, it, it was used as, uh, if you like, a Mickey Finn by um, uh, the uh, Comte de Sade, the uh, Marquis de Sade. Mm. And uh, he, he held sort of Romanesque orgies in which he fed people chocolate. But he, he probably had something in it. But there's a lot of myths about it. I don't believe it's true at all. But uh, certainly the Catholic Church got in a, got the knickers in a twist over it. Your book is full of little stories like that. It's a history of the mo- of the food we use every day. Another beauty that I found. Are you telling me that as a dish, spaghetti bolognese shouldn't exist? Uh, ideally speaking, yes. I mean, the the, the different pastas are invented not because engineers were whimsical. They had, all had a purpose. So if you, if the example I give in the book is penne. Penne is ribbed on the outside, yeah. and it has a nib-like structure at the beginning and end, yeah. and it has a hollow, and it's designed to be able to pick up the ragu that it would go with it. Whereas um, spaghetti was ideally suited to fish with just a light, uh, say, sauce of, or simply olive oil on it. And that's the way it was eaten initially. It was the Americans who adopted spaghetti bolognese. Crikey. And pasta, isn't it? I, I always thought pasta was made in the, in the, originally in some Italian grandmother's kitchen, but no. 
I know it's it's a, I mean it's a massive industry, um, but it, when it started off, it, it, it came from the Arabs uh, who had uh, developed hard wheat in uh, North Africa, and they occupied Sicily for about two hundred years, and they brought their pasta or their, their their wheat with them, and between them and the Italians, they invented this. Uh, flour that they wouldn't put a raising agent in, they'd flatten it out and they'd make, that would make uh, lasagna or you cut strips of it and you'd have uh, uh, carbonara or yeah. whatever you like and then they, they used to wrap it around the piece of wire that was covered in olive oil and uh, then slowly pull the wire out and that was the beginning of uh, uh, tubular uh, pasta. But it was an Arabian dish. It was, it came from, yeah, originally uh, it came from the Arabs and the Arabs actually are responsible for an enormous number of our foods, sugar, uh, uh, coffee, tea, mm. uh, spices. Um, and they, uh, they, they, see, they, they, they had, uh, for example, they brought um, coffee from Ethiopia through to um, uh, the, the Gulf of Persia and on to Turkey. And they kept it there for a long time. It was many centuries later that it came to Europe. Mm. But they're responsible for quite a lot of the, 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 the foods we eat. Was there a war over tea, or a near war over tea? Oh, oh no, there was a real war. What happened was the uh, an English uh, company called the uh, East India Company um, were uh, they they were into pepper in the in the Far East, and then they the, the market fell out of pepper, and tea became began to become very popular. There was a Queen Catherine of England, she was Portuguese, and she popularized tea. So there was a big demand for tea, and they were trading with the, the, the Chinese. Um, and the Chinese decided they would only sell uh, tea for silver. Now, the, at the time, there was a shortage of silver. So what the uh, East India Company did was they set up opium farms in India. Now, the Chinese were fond of a little bit of opium in their cigarettes or tobacco, and um, it gave them a little kick at the end of the day. So they brought hang on, hang on. The, When was this, Mike? This would have been, um, let me think now, uh, about 1600, 1700, 1800. And they, they, so they, the they Chinese were, farmers were smoking joints. <laughs> well, they were, yeah. They were very fond of it. It wasn't just the farmers. It was a very posh thing. And then all the paraphernalia went with it. It became very sophisticated. But the English uh, brought the opium from, that they grew from India, uh, smuggled it into China, sold it to the, the drug lords. In return, they got silver, and they bought tea. And then the emperor decided uh, that opium was getting out of hand. Up to 15% of the population were addicted. So he, he, he basically, at first he, he had a death sentence on it, and that didn't work. And then he attacked uh, one of the British stores. So the British went in and, and in, in three different wars, thrashed them. And that's how they won Hong Kong, by the way. And uh, <laughs> they kept... Tea. Oh, sorry? Over tea? Over tea, yeah. Hong Kong was won over tea, wow. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's a, it, and they, they eventually did something which was quite remarkable. They had um, uh, a botanist from Edinburgh who was fluent in Mandarin. And they organised for him to go into China because they, they bought tea, but they didn't know how to make tea if you like, to grow it. They didn't yeah. know the agriculture of it. Yeah. So they sent this fella, uh, Mr. Fortune, into um, uh, uh, India with plenty of silver, and uh, he spent his time uh, getting uh, the, his coolies to take uh, to bribe people to give them tea bushes and to give them know-how and implements. 
And it was, it was really was industrial espionage at a big level. And that brought tea to India, to um, Darjeeling and Assam in the Himalayas. When you think about it now, you sit down to have a cup of tea to sort out a disagreement. When you yeah. think the countries went to war over, over what's it. in your tea bag. That's, uh, the, the, the book is, is it's, it's, I suppose if you were to open your pantry or your larder at home, and our food press, and look from one end to the other. There's a story behind everything we put on our plate. Yes, there is. I mean, the spices, the, the herbs were, were Mediterranean because they grew in the rocky sort of soil of the Mediterranean. And so Mediterranean dishes tend to use herbs, not spices. Eastern part of the world, um, a lot of them were vegetarians and uh to, if you like, spice up their vegetarian dishes. They developed all, all of these different spices. And uh, they were very, very expensive and uh, very hard to get. And there was a whole um, spice trade going from China all the way along the uh, seas of Asia uh, down to Africa and out to Madagascar. It was an amazing piece of trade they did. And then um, pepper, of course, was, also came from the, uh, the east. Mm. Uh, salt was uh, mined, mostly mined, uh, and, and uh, uh, Salzburg, for example, is a, uh, had, had a big, what, what was a salt town, so yeah. hence Salzburg. Um, and uh, vinegar is uh, just plain old um, fermented sugar, but the, um, the, the very, very uh, posh vinegars, they take up to 15 years to... Uh, to, to, to properly develop. Yeah. Last one. If someone gave me a, a plate of rice, and I love a plate of steamed or boiled rice with my food, right? Yeah. How would I tell whether it was Indian rice or Chinese rice? There is a way. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the Indian rice will tend to be longer. Um, the Indians eat with their hands, their right hand. They do, yeah. Left hand is for toilets. And uh, so they eat with their right hand and uh, they, they pick it up with their fingers or they pick it up with bread. And so it has to be fluffy and loose. The Chinese eat rice with chopsticks. And so they have a shorter, a shorter rice, which when it's cooked gets sticky. And so they, it, it's easier to eat with chopsticks if it's sticky. Right. So that's why when you get your little carton of rice from the Chinese, it sticks together and you have to kind of break it apart with a fork. Yeah. And, and the Indian is fluffy and falls out of the dish. Yeah. How cool is that? Listen, yeah. it's, it's great. It's an adventure in food. The, 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 book, the, the book is called Food Through the Ages. Mike Gibney, the Professor Emeritus of Food and Health at University College Dublin. Thank you very much for being with us on the Opinion Line. It's fascinating, the, the story of all the different kinds, all the different foods that we eat. Really appreciate you being with us, Michael. Thank you. Burr says, that's bull. I have a bar of fruit and nut every night, and I can tell you every man is totally safe. Quartz 96 FM.